All right. Hello, hello. Welcome in. Happy Saturday. Happy Men's History Month, everyone. Uh, good to be here. I won't be here next week. So today's the week. <laughs> Get your fill. And then uh, next week I'm going to post my appearances I've had recently on Stephen Ignoramus' podcast. Did a call-in show with him and also did his podcast. And uh, also my Hanging with Bears episode. But I am Sean Corey. Welcome in to my live stream today. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, on DLive, on YouTube, on Periscope. Silosopher already coming in hot with the lemons and the ice cream. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Silosopher, like my biggest contributor this, this month. Let me see. All, all time. This month, because right, it's new month, but also all time. So thank you, Silosopher, my dude. Thank you. And happy Men's History Month to you. Uh, and happy White History Month last month to you. Um, yeah. I'm Sean Corey. Again, welcome to my live stream, live every Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central Time. Again, except for next week. Next week, I will not be here live with you. I'll be out of town visiting some family. But after that, back to it, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. And as we all know, Central Time is the correct time zone, the true <laughs> the alpha, alpha male time zone, 10 a.m. Central, every Saturday morning. And Sean V. Planet for all the links and content stuff, obviously, right here. SeanVPlanet.com. And follow Sean V. Planet. Follow my accounts on all the places, all the podcast places, the YouTube, Rumble. I'm on Rumble. I'm updating my Rumble catalog. So watch the videos on Rumble. BitChute, even though they won't let me upload anymore. Uh, <laughs> You know, everyone everyone who's posting their Jews control the world and uh, <laughs> go Adolf Hitler videos and uh, coronavirus is fake videos uh, can post easily and seamlessly on, on BitChute, but apparently I can't for some reason. But I'm on YouTube, BitChute, Rumble for my videos, and then social media, Instagram, Telegram, Gab, Bertaria Times app, TikTok, it's all at Sean V. Planet. Today we're talking about the gospel again. And because, of course, we're talking and sharing the good news that is the gospel and how to do so with others, how to share that with others around you in your life with enthusiasm, calmness, confidence, but also excitement and urgency. Um, how to become a Jesus freak. <laughs> we're taking back the stigma of being called a Jesus freak and we're embracing it. And we are going to become Jesus freaks and we're going, to, we're going to know and understand and learn how to spread the good, the true, and the beautiful uh, to all we encounter. And just living with an emphasis on that, an emphasis on multiplying the population of God's kingdom when we get there. Yeah, Silosopher says, much love with the Ninja Gini. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I'll open up the treasure chest again. So if anyone want to hop on, hop on DLive here, all these people that are watching me on Periscope right now or on YouTube... Go over to DLive. I think if you just donate one lemon or one ice cream, you're eligible for the treasure chest. I think that's how it works. Power off. Okay. <laughs> the power is off, apparently. Um, yeah, head over to DLive. Give me some lemons. Um, you don't have to donate anything big. And I'll open up the treasure chest in a little bit. But yeah, thank you, Demon Hunter Bear. Good morning. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, brother. Hope all is well. Silosopher, good morning. Thank you again. Hope all is well with you. 
we're gonna start off with a clip here and then I'm gonna start the Instagram live um, and they're gonna miss out on some awesome clips because we got a couple clips here and then we're gonna end with some amazing clips and Instagram live will not see that <laughs> um, so let's just get into it and then I'll start yeah and then I'll start <laughs> and hopefully the power won't turn off Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C, C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So, we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right, the vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that $700 billion given to all Christian causes, only $45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well. $39 billion goes to World C every year. Yep, 
87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. 5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all missions money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? What are you going to do to change that? Our churches are not helping us with the mission of spreading the gospel to all the ends of the earth, clearly. <laughs> clearly and we can't continue holding our breath waiting for them to change can't continue holding our breath waiting for them to change or think that our complaints will change them we we us me and you me and you listening here today we need to be the change that we want to see in the world and that's not just a bumper sticker that's reality we need to be the heroes that we are waiting for and go out ourselves in our everyday lives and make disciples with all of all those we encounter. We need to spread the gospel in person, online, on our vacations, during our work, during our school hours, our everyday life situations, and our personal lives. We need to become confident in spreading God's logos and love. We need to develop our skills in sharing his word to those who need it, and we need to be active in our pursuit of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, to all of the unrepentant sinners who still lack true salvation. And we need to focus on those who have never encountered and might not ever encounter Jesus ever without us <laughs> telling it to them. Group C, group B and group C. Ballard Bear on Instagram Live says there's a cool video of a group of people who heard the gospel for the first time and they jumped for joy for a couple hours or something. Old vid, but it saw it recently. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> There's a lot of stories coming out of China, which again is a, is a place where people, Christians in America aren't sending missionaries to China. Hmm, suspicious. <laughs> that could be a whole stream in and of itself why uh, missionaries in America are choosing not to send people to China. China has obviously over a billion people they also have more Christians than America. <laughs> they have uh, estimates, estimations are between 200 and 300 million Christians, and it's growing rapidly. And the Chinese Communist government has deemed it one of the biggest threats because it's growing very rapidly, very quickly, because it's the truth. <laughs> and when people who have never heard the truth finally hear the truth, they dive in, they jump in, they become adamant, adamant believers in the faith. They jump for joy, like Valerie Bear says, when they hear the good news, the truth that is their salvation for sinners. That there is a God and he does love you. And he has sent his son and his spirit to us at different times for different reasons. And that it is possible to live in the spirit and walk with God with a spiritually 
with a spiritual connection to our true God, our good, true, and beautiful creator. I imagine they're more devout, says Ballard Bear. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the church doesn't let them, or the, I'm sorry, the Communist Party, the government of China doesn't let them build churches, <laughs> doesn't let them build buildings, uh, can't build steeples, can't put crosses up, um, can't really stop them from meeting in private and talking, though. <laughs> you know, you're not going to stop God at work one way or another. The whole point, and again, like, might, might have to just do a whole stream on Christians in China, because it's very interesting. You know, America has... I think 330 million people total, and I think about 80% uh, classify themselves as Christians. I don't know what, excuse me, exactly that is, but it's probably 200, 250 million people are Christians in America today. And there's about that same number of Christians in China, <laughs> in an atheist communist country. Um, I say as I'm streaming on Chinese D Live, and of course it starts. <laughs> Why is it not working? Uh, that's suspicious, huh? <laughs> My D Live stream is down. Um, hmm, suspicious. <laughs> We're gonna keep going, but yeah, the Chinese Communist government—they want to be seen as you know the reason communists really push atheism is because they want to be seen as the highest authority, the highest power. They want people to believe that this life is all there is, this world is all there is for us, and that the most, the greatest thing that can be in, in existence the greatest authority figure in people's lives is the here and now government that is ruling over them um so the fact that christians are like hey there's actually a god and a creator above these men and these man-made institutions um i'm gonna worship him and not the state so that's a threat to the state so the state has to you know logic the logically the state has to suppress and try to stamp out um, Christians and just all religions in general but of course Christianity the most to survive and thrive that's their survival tactic um, valiant in the testimony of Christ haha -ha. yeah D live maybe I, maybe just for me because other people here seem to be here yeah of course start start talking about China and the Chinese Communist Party and watch as D live Chinese owned D live goes down <laughs> I think it's working though I think it's worth. Don't get too crazy with the conspiracies. It's just funny and laugh at it. Um, even if it's real, just be funny and laugh at it. But yeah, sorry again, Instagram Live. We're going to go to another clip here before I really start my stream. Um, and this is, I believe, Paul Washer and... I always forget his name. Paul Washer and John Piper in like a little inspirational clip. And then we'll get into it. Get into the reason we're here today. Um, so, yeah, enjoy it. But when you look in Scripture, the powerful supernatural where they really experienced the Holy Spirit was when they were out there speaking the Word of God in boldness. Meanwhile, we all know it's just scary. It's difficult. But, man, until we all just are honest with that and get together and say, man, pray for me, because this is what I'm here on the earth to do. Well, of course. But people aren't willing to do that. I go, oh yeah, that's true. Like that was my response. But that's not my response anymore. Now my response is, but that's stupid. <laughs> you know, 
so we can't, we can't change the whole system of what God called us to do, of going out and making disciples, because people aren't willing to do it. So therefore, rather than getting together and praying for that courage so that we actually would reach out and make disciples, instead, we, we create a whole different program so it doesn't require courage. Every kind of word communication is different from other kinds, and they all have their place. What I'm doing right now is appointed in the Bible to have its unique place. It's not by any means the be-all and end-all of Christian communication. It's one thing. It's called preaching. God has appointed preaching for an end, and He's appointed other things for other ends. So it may be that the person you know, after all these conversations, is appointed to hear me and be saved. Or may work exactly the other way around. An unbeliever and sitting in this room for five years. And you go out to lunch with him and say, don't you think it's about time you stop sitting on the fence? And he says, yeah, I do. What should I do? And bang, he's yours. Glory, written down in the book. God is so creative and different. So let's get into it. Everyone you meet, everyone you meet, lives somewhere between the poles of passion and pain. So sharing the gospel is as simple as connecting with others around their passions and their pains. It's in our everyday conversations that we can help people see that their life matters, that their passion to live comes from God, whether they know it or not, and that the good news of Jesus can and will rescue them from their pain. We can be living, loving witnesses without morphing into a person we were never meant to be. We don't have to be superstar Christians or clever communicators or TikTok influencers or whatever. We just need to find the intersection of your love for Jesus and your love for the other person. Find the intersection of your love for Jesus and your love for the other person. Paul wrote in Philemon 1.6 that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. And I'm going to do a stream on Philemon too because it's amazing. In the future, I've got to write these down. Ch Chinese communist stream, <laughs> Philemon stream. Um, Son of Acanthus, good morning. Hope all is well, brother. Thank you. Thank you for the ice cream. Be sure to speak the word. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate this. <laughs> I feel like I do it. I know a lot of other people do it. They get... They get scared and afraid of it all seeming overcomplicated, like they don't know enough, like they're not qualified enough to spread the good news that is the gospel. They think that it's a preacher's job or a TikTok influencer's job or whatever, but it's not complicated. You just spread the word. It's not you. It's not your thoughts. It's not your opinions that you're sharing. It's the good news that we are. everyone has access to. Well, everyone except for Group C in that uh, video we played earlier which is why it's so important that we need to reach Group C with it. We need to spread the word, spread God's word, spread the truth. And we're not making our own truth. We're not making our own opinions that we're sharing with people. 
It can be overwhelming to walk up to someone and boldly tell them about Jesus. It can be overwhelming. Like, you know, some church-loathing work coworker, an atheist family member, or a neighbor who isn't very welcoming or friendly. Most believers today really do love Jesus. They want to walk with him and yearn to honor him with all their heart, soul, and mind. We want to serve him faithfully and live for him effectively. We just may not always know how to. So that's what we're talking about today. The God who spoke and created the universe made you uniquely in his image and different than everything else in creation. He made you to worship, glorify, and serve him alone. But we can often overcomplicate that purpose or even lose sight of it entirely. We were made by God not only to be redeemed by Christ, to glorify him and to serve him, but to be a beacon of good news for all those you may encounter in your life. We are to be the lighthouse shining out into the darkness of the world, the good news of salvation. Sorry, I'm getting the nose run all of a sudden. Following Jesus will take everything you've got. It will take everything you've got. This isn't some get-rich-quick scheme or a fad diet. Uh, <laughs> you know, Walking with Christ into the Father's kingdom is not some temporary journey or some shortcut to good times and pleasures and riches here and now on this earth and this life. You will be faced with difficulties and trials and challenges. You will be called to endure sacrifices and hardships. But the result of laying down your life for the glory of God is treasures in eternity it's an eternity of bliss an eternal reward the pure love truth and peace of heart in the here and now is your reward and the reward of helping others get there too and receive those same eternal treasures if we stand up and speak out boldly here now often and forevermore Christians today, and especially in the younger generations, are generally afraid of public speaking. They typically aren't type A folks. Um, they lack confidence in themselves, usually, and avoid high-pressure situations. The screens aren't helping. All the screen time is not helping us with that. Um, the lockdowns and the masks on our face and the social distancing is not helping with that. That's the reality that we have. Um, People are just generally afraid of conversations and confrontations. Um, they lack confidence in themselves and they lack confidence in their ability to communicate. And that is increasing. That's getting worse. However you want to frame that. These young people also tend to spend their time around other Christians. Christians tend to want to spend their time around other Christians um, who don't need to hear or know the gospel and disassociate or avoid entirely those who are not saved and who may have rejected the gospel or never actually heard it in the first place. Going back to that clip earlier, we want to be, it's so easy to go to group A and group B and, you know, you know, to talk about Jesus to someone who is a believer or someone who maybe is familiar with the story, but are you actually going and eating with the sinners? Are you actually going to the places that are dangerous and risky? Um, or maybe Christianity is outlawed, the Bible is outlawed, or... Um, it's just so un, it's just so foreign to those people. Um, are we willing to do that? 
Or are you just going to continue associating with believers in your comfort zone? To explain this all simply, the righteous of our age avoid the unrighteous. The righteous of our age, and this might be just true forever, <laughs> if you look at the Pharisees, and we'll get into that too later, but the righteous of our age avoid the unrighteous. The saved tend to avoid the sinners. This way of living will not bring glory to God, and it will not advance his kingdom. We must be willing to go to those who are lost and show them what is needed to be found. We must be willing to go out into the darkness of the world and be the beacon of light for those who are lost. Show them what it is what is required for their salvation, for true peace, true rest, true love. We don't need the average believer to become an Apostle Paul, like you, <laughs> me. We don't have to become an Apostle Paul or a Billy Graham or a podcaster or that TikTok influencer with all the likes and the follows. We just need informal evangelists, informal evangelists and normal people just like you to take personal ownership of the mission, the Great Commission, proclaiming the Creator's glory for all to know, all to know. God created you for His glory to advance his gospel with the gifts, talents, and opportunities he gave to you, our creator's purpose for us is both for his glory and for our own good. We should each be willing to become a Jesus freak. Reclaim that. Make it cool again and become a Jesus freak. One who loves Jesus more than those around them. It is about time we recapture the Jesus movement of the 60s and the 70s and rekindle a passion for Jesus that spills out of hearts of love for God and for others. Love God, love your neighbor. Bring real joy to those around us, all of those around us, not just our believers, our fellow believers. We should seek to be at a place where we can't help but share the goodness, the truth, and the beauty of the salvation that Jesus offers us all. And he does offer it to all, all who seek him, all who have faith. We need to take seriously the dire need for sinners to find the salvation they lack before it is too late for them. And before they are faced with spending an eternity in misery, we need to show true love for those around us and be willing to risk our security and our stuff to share the gospel with any and all of the folks we come in contact with. Any and all of the people we come in contact with. In Acts 4.20, the earliest Jesus freaks, Peter and John, said, We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. In Matthew 28.19-20, we are given the great commission to make the gospel known to the ends of the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We have to know that me, you, and all the people in this world are not responsible for whether or not we lead anyone to Christ. God saves people, not us. God saves, not us. 
If it's up to us, <laughs> we would never, there would, there would be no salvation. Salvation is far above our pay grade. It costs the Son of God his life. <laughs> it cost the Son of God his very life. It's far beyond our, our own personal abilities. But we do bring him glory when we share his logos, his truth, his love, and his grace with others. God the Father saves. It's very important to know and remember and throughout all of your just throughout your life and in all of your conversations with unbelievers or non-believers for those who may not have encountered um, the truth yet. God the Father saves. God the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. God the Son died and rose for our salvation. We just open our mouths and talk about this. It's all we have to do. And we live our lives to reflect this. Our good works bring glory to God. We don't do good works to earn anything from God, but we do good works because God is good and we want to be like him. We want to mimic God. We want to follow the example that Christ lived out here in this time here with us. We want to show others the reality of truth and love in our lives. At the end of the day, God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. Our neighbors do. Those still lost in sin need the light, and we need to shine it out for them to see, find, and know. Be the beacon of light. We are to proclaim the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection as clearly as possible through both our lips and our lives. That means it's not your job or mine to answer every question unbelievers have. Release yourself from the pressure of being the Bible answer guy, <laughs> the Bible go-to guy, for the Bible itself is God's word, revealing to us who he is his great character, and his great plan of redemption. Embrace being a fisherman, not just enjoying the catch, but also the act of fishing. Followers are also fishers, disciples who make disciples. Most Christians fear being a failure at witnessing to and being rejected by others. Our confidence to fish should not come from within ourselves alone, but from the gospel itself. All we have to do is share the truth. We don't have to be experts at it. Thank you everyone in the chat. Thank you everyone for tuning in. All of a sudden a bunch of people are watching on DLive. I wonder if it's Chinese spies. <laughs> um, they're on to me. Oh no. Oh no, they're on to me. But yeah, I'm going to open up the treasure chest soon, so send the lemons and the ice creams and the stuff. <laughs> Again, thanks Silosopher, thanks Son of Acanthus for it, for doing that already. <laughs> yeah. Said posts a, uh, <laughs> what would that be? A righteously afraid Pepe? <laughs> So yeah, let's get into it. Let's be Jesus freaks, guys. Let's not be too freaky about it, but let's be Jesus freak freaks. 
Wait, didn't you open the treasure chest already? Yeah, last week I did. This week I have... It looks like I have 15 lemons to give away. So we're going to open up the treasure chest. <laughs> open up the treasure chest and uh, give away my 15 lemons. Um, so donate now because I'm going to do that soon. I'm figuring out how DLive works, guys. It only took me a year and a half, but I'm finally figuring out how DLive works. So most of us have some knowledge of the whole biblical message, right? Most of us have some knowledge of the whole gospel and how the work of Christ relates to all of the scripture. But most of the people we have gospel conversations with do not have the same or similar knowledge. They're not at our level yet. Yet. They need to see and know Jesus as the Savior depicted on every page, through every story, told throughout the entirety of the Bible. All of the books and letters and stories and characters of the Bible tell one great story in one expansive meta-narrative, one overarching grand narrative that God created a beautiful world with humankind central to his great design, that sin came through the fall and has brought a world of brokenness that God set apart a people through whom a rescuer would come, Jesus, who redeems us through his death and resurrection, and that we who come to God through repentance and faith have the hope of a restoration where we will live in the presence of God. This masterpiece is not popular. It is not cool. There aren't Hollywood movies or Netflix shows about it that people are going wild and crazy for, and the culture is definitely drifting away from knowledge, from the knowledge of this truth and the experience of that kind of love. Just point at whatever's happening in the news or <laughs> on Twitter, and that becomes apparent. But we have to tell stories, our stories, and share our experiences with others. Netflix isn't going to do it for us. We have to share our experiences with others about the gospel that has the power to change us and to move hearts towards the one who truly rescues and restores. Start your intended gospel conversations highlighting creation and the power, might, beauty, and glory of the one who created such a glorious place as this. This place is amazing, <laughs> and we need to be sure when we're talking about this, when we want to help people that we're encountering, people in our lives, people that we love, when we want to truly spread God and his truth to them and start planting those seeds in their mind that are going to start leading them towards the truth and love of God, we always have to start with how amazing his creation is, how beautiful and grand his creation is. And the glory of the one who created such a glorious place as this. Then transition this towards the purpose and role we play in it. The glorious, or I'm sorry, the uh, purpose and role that we play in all of, in this glorious place. The uniqueness of us all and the gifts and talents we have been given should be highlighted and the roles and destinies we are carrying out in our time here, our time here and now.
We all differ artistically, we differ in our roles, we differ in our interests, in our bodies, our DNA, our situations, our experiences, our environments. Our lives are different, right? Obviously. But yet we come together in the bigger picture that is this life in this realm and contribute a little piece to the bigger puzzle that is God's master plan. Put a little bit of the put a little piece in the big puzzle. Everyone worships. That should be known. That should be obvious. <laughs> Take a step back and realize that everyone worships. For we were created to worship and created to obey the one true God by him in his image. Those who have yet to encounter Christ end up worshiping their own intellect or their own physical talents or a variety of other false idols and fake religions. We were made to worship and you're gonna worship something. And if it's not the true God, if it's not the one who created you, it's gonna be a false idol, a fake religion, or your own self. Make no mistake, we all worship. We were created to do so. We have an insatiable appetite to find our purpose, to live a life that matters. An insatiable appetite to find our purpose and to find or to live a life that matters. God built that into each of us. The need to live for something bigger. The need to live for something bigger than ourselves. If you don't have God in your life, ask why you're so sad and angry and scared. And question why you're not living for something bigger than yourself. And why those who do don't seem to be sad or angry or scared. They're all they're the ones full of hope, full of love, full of truth. Um, when we can point all this out to people and explain that when their worship is directed at the one, the one who deserves it, the one who created all of this, we know and experience here and now, then lost souls will start naturally gravitating towards the righteousness and the glory that is the logical conclusion to a pursuit of purpose and meaning. If people are seeking purpose and meaning, it will inevitably end in the one true God, the one who created us. As we talk to people about our beautiful world, our uniqueness, and the one that created it all, we can naturally discuss how something has clearly gone wrong. Of course, right? <laughs> it's going to come up and we can naturally bring it up. It is pretty easy to also highlight how broken, destructive, and evil this place can be as well as how glorious it is. For how amazing creation is, it's easy to point out how horrible it has become because of our sin. It is easy to also highlight how broken, destructive, and evil this place can be. It is a part of everyone's life. All the chaos and turmoil that is caused by the sin nature inside of us all that can be clearly seen around us at all times. It's easy to point out how broken this place is. When people bring up examples of brokenness like death, disease, wars, crime, anger, fear, etc. All sorts of the evils in this world. It can then become easy to explain the nature of sin 
and the inevitable results and consequences of living a spiritually broken life. The natural state of being separated from the truth and love of our Creator, our true Father. The results of not having a righteous union with God can be obvious and easy to point out in our society. And it can lead you to explaining sin and the need for salvation without calling people out specifically or getting too personal about that reality. As we talk to others about brokenness and sin, we must be willing to be vulnerable and honest about our own struggles with it. We must share our own personal struggles we have and still face. Since we all have struggles, it is important that as believers and witnesses, we do not come across as potential converts, to potential converts, as being perfect and sinless. We're not. Because we're not. For as we know, only one has ever been. We are forgiven, but we are not flawless. We are forgiven, but we're not flawless. For sin has affected everything. Sin is not a collection of mistakes, but an act of rebellion towards God. Because of sin, we are in a state of resisting God, facing an eternity separated from Him in hell. We were created for glory, but we stand in judgment. This is the not good news people must see and know in order to embrace the beauty of the good news in the cross. After talking to others about sin, how it is inevitable in all of us, and how prevalent it is in the world, we must make sure to explain clearly that this is exactly why Jesus came, to rescue us. In order to accept the salvation that Jesus provides, we must know and understand that we need saving in the first place. To be saved, you must know that you must be saved. Unbelievers tend to see Christians as a group of religious people trying to impose their moral code on them. They know what we are against, right? We as Christians are very good at yelling and screaming about what we are against. And they know that. They hear it. We excel at articulating that. We are very good at complaining about Satan and his wickedness. But we don't want the people we encounter and witness to see Christians as mainly a moral Christianity as mainly a moral code to follow. Christianity is not a more just a moral code. Jesus condemned the Pharisees for the approach of serving God often. Often throughout the gospel, it's apparent. It's true that when we encounter Jesus our behavior is changed, but that is not all. Righteousness is not in strict obedience to rules and laws, but from a genuine, loving heart dedicated to being right and doing right. With God, we are totally remade, a new creation, when we are truly saved and born again in His image. We do become a new creation, born again into life. Jesus did not come to make bad people act good. He came to make dead people live. He came to reconnect our hearts to God directly, inwardly, 
and not just to teach a new moral code that must be obeyed. We are not teaching people new rules to live by. This is not a self-help tutorial that we're doing, but a true and everlasting salvation of a soul that was once heading into eternal damnation. The essence and purpose of the gospel is far beyond, far greater than just merely behavior modification. We're not correcting behaviors. We are saving souls. You and I were guilty before the judgment seat of the righteous God. You and I, every one of us, every descendant of Adam, is guilty before the judgment seat of the righteous God, our creator, our true father. But by Jesus' death, we are declared justified or not guilty. We owed a debt from sin that we could never pay. But Jesus both paid the penalty for our sin debt and now offers us an inheritance we could never earn on our own called reconciliation. We who were slaves to sin have been set free from slavery. We've been redeemed. We love the heroes in movies who rescue those in danger, and we should love even more the thought of being delivered from sin in real life. We are born into a whole, and only Jesus can get us out of it. We seek a relationship that lasts with one who loves us perfectly, and Jesus is that one. We want a knight in armor to slay the dragon and save the damsel, and Jesus is that one who defeated the works of the devil on the cross. And one day, he, he will present the bride of Christ, his church, all of us, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Jesus slayed the dragon. He saved us. Welcome aboard, Kameha Medukin. <laughs> Berserker Bear, what's going on, my bro? Hope all is well. Says you are a legend straight up. Hope your Saturday is beautiful and glorious. Purely living Papa Bear. Reconnect. Interesting keyword there. Yeah. Reconnect to God. Melchizedek in the priesthood of Most High prior to Jesus. Low ghost grave. Yeah. Berserker Bear. Always with the gravy. Always with the gravy. The reason we love stories and a happily ever after, and the reason our books and movies have the same ending theme is because we all yearn for this. We all yearn for the happily ever after. We all want our lives to matter and we want our own happily ever after for ourselves. God has prepared a place for those who love him that is beyond our ability to comprehend. Our words don't do it justice. Our thoughts don't do it justice. It's beyond our ability to comprehend. Jesus is going to return one day and take his bride, all believers, to a new heaven and earth. We will be in the very presence of our Savior, the real hero, the realest of heroes, the one who saves us and walks with us. Take hope in that fact and pass that along as you go. We must take this glorious good news to others and all of those around us at all times. It is truly a blessing more than a burden 
despite what Satan or his little soldiers try to convince you of, right? He'll plant seeds of fear and doubt in your mind, and instead, you must have your mind be full of love, hope, optimism. It's truly a blessing more than a burden. The more we see how great our salvation is in Christ, the easier and more fulfilling it is to take up his great commission. The more you understand how much and how glorious your salvation is and how great God is as a result, the easier and more fulfilling it is to spread that outward to others. Remember always that God is great so great like so beyond comprehension um so we don't have to personally be in control let go of wanting to be in control and just let god's word do the talking share the truth and love that is god's through you and onto others god is sovereign he is the one with the power to save just find ways to lead those around you towards him and let the rest happen as it will let it happen or don't happen. Sometimes those seeds will not take root. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. Learning to let go and please God alone is crucial to our spiritual growth. He is glorious, fear only him. Not those here and now in this place. God is good, God is so good. So we don't have to look elsewhere. Temptation can be powerful, so when we sin, we are saying in that moment we don't believe God is good enough. Crush that urge. Trust in God alone. God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. We have been forgiven completely by the one we have offended immensely. Enjoy the grace of God lavished on us through Christ. And remember that in order for Jesus to move in our lives through our lips to others, he must reign in our hearts. Without Christ in your heart, there is no Christ coming out of your lips. I'm going to open up the treasure chest. So get in there and live and donate. I think that's how you get it. God is great indeed. Amen. Big shout out to Berserker Bear, always ladling the gravy. Opening the treasure chest. Alright, 30 seconds. Yeah, shout out everyone showing up today. I appreciate it. Hope you learned something. <laughs> I hope this is motivating and informative. The key thing to remember when you are ready to go out and spread the gospel, to cast your lines and to fish for people to bring to salvation, is to just relax and have conversations. There is no need for presentations or rehearsed speeches, gimmicks, or prepared lines of questioning. Just share your story, your testimony, your experiences, your life, and just what led you to God and his right ways and how others you may know have done so as well. 
and let them know that they can as well, the ones you are speaking to. We want gospel conversations, not gospel presentations. We need to let God and his word speak for himself. We just need to encourage others to seek him out because of how much our lives have changed for the better and how important eternal life is and how they too can experience it if they are willing to follow Jesus. Presentations have their place. I mean, you're watching one right now. <laughs> you're watching or listening to one right now in this moment and getting meta with it. Presentations do have their place. Preachers, preachings, sermons, etc., TikTok videos, whatever, like that, those have their place. If you want to be creative or informative and present things to others, that's fine for those who want to listen. But in real life, in your everyday happenings, if you are speaking to someone about hard times or life struggles or fears about death or the problems they are facing, just speak the gospel. Spread the love of Jesus and share the logos of God as you know best. Be a human being, not a vlogger or a preacher. Those, again, those, they have their place. People will seek those out if they want to hear. They'll go to church or they'll open up TikTok or YouTube. You, in your everyday life, in your gospel conversations with people, need to just be a human being. Just share what you know and what you don't know in that moment they can seek to find on their own, on TikTok or at a church, and throughout the rest of their time and their journey here. You can also like ask leading questions that will help guide conversations into talks about righteousness and God's glory. Again, start with creation, talk about the fall, how it all went wrong, and the one who can correct that, and that in the end it will be corrected and things will be glory and you will have a happy, en happy ending after it all. You can connect their passions or their interests or their pains and struggles to Christ and the Word. There's many pages, <laughs> many opportunities to connect their life, their struggles, their pains, their fears, their doubts, their worries, their anger, um, their spiritual brokenness to the Word. The solution for that spiritual brokenness is God. And all you have to do is connect it. Remember that every conversation is a ministry opportunity and every conversation can be steered towards Christ and naturally as well. People can tell three crucial things about you in conversations with them and it is important to know and recognize. First, people can tell if you care about them. They can tell if you care about them. They don't care how much you know about God until they know how much you care about them. Second is people can tell if you believe what you are talking about. We will not convince every person we meet who does not know Jesus that they must believe in him, but let them not doubt that we ourselves believe. Do not let them doubt that you believe. And third, people can tell if the hand of God is on your life. There is something very powerful about a simple, honest conversation about Jesus. Our lives and our lips testify to our faith. <laughs> Berserker says, Sean is the steadfast Logos locomotive. Keep crushing, brother. Good point there. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, on D-Live for the lemons and the ice creams and the ninjaginis. Silosopher coming in hot again, as always. And I opened up the treasure chest. The luckiest follower is Set of Acanthus Bear. Got all of them. It didn't distribute. <laughs> the, 15, the 15 lemons went all to Set of Acanthus, who honestly deserves it. Um, yeah. Always in here crushing in my chat. Always a good dude. Always helping good other good dudes. Steven Ignoramus. Um, yeah, shout out, Seth. You deserve it. <laughs> you deserve those lemons. Um, but yeah, as you talk to people again, people can tell if you care about them. People can tell if you believe what you're talking about. And people can tell if the hand of God is on your life. If God is working in you and through you. You might not be able to pinpoint it exactly, but human intuition, senses, uh, pheromones, what have you. People can tell. If Jesus is the greatest thing that has ever happened to us, he should come up naturally in the conversations we have. Not forced, not structured, but simply because he is the biggest deal in our lives. Most, and I mean most, <laughs> most times your conversations will not lead to a conversion. Almost every single time your conversations, your gospel conversations, your attempt to spread the word of God will not lead someone to a conversion right then and there. But it will plant seeds and it will help to nudge someone further along in their gospel understanding. It could be the spark someone needed to go out and finally buy a Bible or spend some time on YouTube looking up sermons, or finally walking through the doors of the church they keep making excuses not to go to. But it is comforting to know that we are playing roles in the bigger picture of God's plan and the bigger work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those we meet, encounter, and converse with. It is comforting to know that we are a necessary and needed piece of the puzzle that is God's plan. Without us, that would, the puzzle would not be complete, right? If you are one seemingly tiny and insignificant little piece of the puzzle, um, it still is necessary to complete the whole thing, to finalize the completion of the story. Even when we have heard conversations or seemingly ineffective ones, we can help those when we have, when we have hard conversations or we have seemingly ineffective conversations. We can help those who we share the gospel with to understand the importance of Christ, at least in our lives or in the lives of people that exist. We share the importance of eternal life, the possibility of it being spent in hell, the beauty and love that comes from genuine faith, and the hope of God's kingdom more effectively with simple conversations instead of presentations or gimmicks or live streams on a Saturday morning. <laughs> it's far more effective in person, in conversations with people that matter, that care about you, that you care about. Remember that our desire to share Jesus with people is not because we want to convert them or that we want some sort of victory for ourselves, but because we are converted, we are saved, and we want to share that with those in our lives. We want to share that experience with others in our lives. If you truly love someone, 
you will lead them to the salvation that they need, that their soul needs. If you truly love someone, you would want them to spend eternity with you in bliss and not suffer without you in hell. What is the best day to plant a tree? Quick pop quiz for the chat. <laughs> what is the best day to plant a tree? Berserker Bear, do you know? <laughs> real recognizes real, says Berserker Bear. What is the best day to plant a tree? The answer is 20 years ago, right? <laughs> the answer is 20 years ago. But what is the second best day to plant a tree? The answer is today, right now, today. We should aspire to plant trees right now that our children and grandchildren will get to sit under and eat from. Plant seeds right now that will grow one day into something good, true, and beautiful at some point in time. Even if you yourself do not get to experience it or know about it. You may be thinking you've lost a lot of time as a Christ follower when you could have been sharing Jesus with others around you, but haven't. True. <laughs> that is true. The best day to begin telling others the good news is the day, but, I'll say that, <laughs> true. It is true. You've lost a lot of time as a cross follower. Christ follower not spreading the gospel not sharing Jesus with those around you that's true but the best day to begin telling others the good news is the day you encountered Christ but <laughs> the second best day to start is today the best day the best day to begin telling other people about Jesus is the day that you encountered him but the second best day to start is today. Sedificanta says now in capital letters. Yeah. Now is the second best time to start sharing the good news. That is salvation afforded to you by God through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't put off any longer what you know to be true and good. Walk closely with God and dare to share your faith with great boldness. Live out the gospel, spread the gospel, and enter into heaven one day hearing the words from our almighty God, your creator. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Ha ha gravy. Plant a tree your grandchildren will pick fruit from. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. The best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The best day to start sharing the gospel was the day you you heard it and accepted it yourself. But the second best day to plant a tree is today. And the second best day to start sharing the gospel, as Sedificanta says, is now. <laughs> now, right now. Yeah. In Mark 2, Mark chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. 
I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I believe it's cure. I might have written that wrong. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to cure the righteous, but sinners. I guess both work. <laughs> if the world had been righteous, if things were going great, then there would be no reason for the coming of Jesus in the first place. <laughs> right? His sacrifice would be unnecessary if everyone were in a bad state, living in evil, living in sin. There would be no need for Jesus to come anyways at all. We as a race have been marked with a curse by the first man. And as a result, we all became sinners ourselves, living bad lives in a fallen state. Now that we have accepted the sacrifice Christ made in our place, taking on the punishment we all deserve, we all deserve for our transgressions and for our evils, we must take that powerful forgiveness out into the world to the rest of the fallen souls still lacking the salvation they need and that they deserve. We must not keep company with ungodly men out of a false love, out of convenience, or out of some sort of selfishness. But we must show love to their souls and bring them the truth of God that they are lacking. We must show them that they are living sinful lives it is destroying them and causing them to suffer, and it doesn't have to continue on forever. These lost sheep are disobeying their purpose in being created, and we must let them know that despite how much they love their current lives or their lifestyles, that the eternity that is coming afterwards will not be pleasant for them at all. If they continue to reject the salvation that their souls must acquire through faith in Christ alone, in trying to do good in others, in trying to do this good in others, we must be careful not to harm ourselves by falling back into sinful lifestyles, by associating or spending time with those who need a righteous physician and the healing of the Lord. Don't join the sinners in their sin, but be the cure to their sickness. Jesus was not eating with the spiritually broken and the societal rejects to join them in their sin, but to correct them, to rebuke them, and to lead them out of that past life and into a new one, in fellowship with him and welcomed into a new family of believers. Jesus chose to eat with, associate with, and fellowship with sinners because they were the ones who needed to know that repentance and forgiveness were available. If Jesus was going to reach the lost, then he must have had contact with them. He went to where the need for salvation was greatest. He went straight to the sick and provided them with the cure needed for their sins. The Pharisees of the past and the Churchians of today disregard people because of their past behavior or their situations in life. Jesus embodied true love, actual love from God, by touching the untouchable and loving the unlovable. Jesus saw the spiritual brokenness in the world 
and reached out his hand in order to fix it and reconnect lost souls back to their true father. Unlike the Pharisees or the Churchians of our times, Jesus did not require people to change before coming to him. Jesus did not require people to change before faith in him. He sought them out. He met them where they were and extended grace to them in their circumstances. Change comes to those who accept Christ, but from the inside out. The kindness of God leads sinners to repentance, and Jesus was full of kindness. Jesus showed us that we shouldn't let cultural norms dictate who we evangelize to. The sick need a physician. The lost sheep need a shepherd. Are we merely praying to the Lord to send laborers into the field, or are we ourselves willing to go? Are you just crossing your fingers and hoping that bad people will find what's good, true, and beautiful? Or are you yourself willing to go show them? Are we going to go out to the sinners, those who have not met Jesus yet, and bring them the salvation of the gospel? Are we going to bring the good news to those who need it, or continue to sit back, hope, cross our fingers, and pray that it happens on its own somehow? Are we going to be the change we want to see in the world? So before we wrap up, um, send any final comments or questions you want me to get to, any last uh, lemons and stuff. Before we start wrapping up, here are some final principles to remember as you go out into the field that is your life happenings to spread the good news. First, God created you for his glory, to advance his gospel with the gifts, the talents, and the opportunities he gave to you. Second, in order to share Jesus confidently and consistently with others, first share him confidently and consistently with yourself. Three is shifting from giving, shift from giving an evangelistic presentation to having an evangelistic conversation takes pressure off the witness and relates the gospel more clearly to an unbeliever. Disregard creating, informing, and presenting the gospel and switch your focus to having a conversation with people about the gospel to unbelievers. For God has sovereignly placed you in this world at exactly this point in time with the abilities and gifts you have to bring glory to him and show the joy of the gospel with others. He created you exactly for this. Show the joy you have in it, the joy of the gospel itself with others. Five, effectively, effective evangelistic conversations connect the unchanging gospel with the specific issues people face effective gospel conversations <laughs> struggle with that word evangelistic gospel conversations 
conversations, not presentations. Connect the unchanging gospel with the specific issues that you encounter face. Six, expect people to be open to the gospel and learn to share Jesus where they live. Seven, talk to the actual person in front of you about the Jesus inside of you. Let them see and hear the change that encountering Jesus has made in you. And eight, developing a lifestyle of sharing Jesus consistently flows out of a plan to share Jesus regularly. Developing a lifestyle, a mindset of sharing Jesus consistently flows out of a plan to share Jesus regularly. Plan on sharing the gospel regularly in your conversations with all the people you encounter, especially the sinners, especially the non-believers. Looks like no more chats and everyone's turning off, but I do want to end. Um, we're going to end with a couple of awesome clips, some more hype videos, <laughs> if you will, about evangelism, about discipleship, and about the importance of having faith and spreading it to those around you while you still can. Two great men. You'll see. You'll see who they are. You'll hear who they are if you're listening. Two great men who have come to really enjoy and respect their teachings, their preachings, and their lives, spreading great wisdom and great advice. And again, I'll be back here in two weeks. No stream next week. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> no stream next week. I will be out of town, but I should be back on Saturday the 21st at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, with another stream for y'all. Hopefully my, my mentor and the legend, Don Lifsey, will be joining me. If not, I have another backup planned stream for you. Until then, until two weeks from now when I see all of you lovelies again, <laughs> all of my dudes, all of my ladies, until I see you uh, in two weeks, go out and spread the good news that there is salvation for sinners and that your past does not define who you are or where you are going. Tell those you encounter about Jesus Christ their true and only savior, regardless of the cost it takes or the price that you must pay. Your reward will be eternal and your creator will welcome you into his kingdom with open arms and a big smile. <laughs> let's make that happen for many, many others, and let's make his kingdom crowded. Go out and make disciples. Be willing to be discipled along the way Spread the truth and love of God. Let all the people you encounter know that their yesterday can be left behind and their tomorrow will be walked into gloriously with faith. Be a Jesus freak. Don't be afraid or ashamed about it. We're taking it back. <laughs> we're taking, that, taking back that phrase. We're, we're going to become Jesus freaks. You, I, everyone watching, listening, Everyone today that's a believer, we must become Jesus freaks. We must not be afraid or ashamed of it. And we must be willing to go out and spread the gospel. Go out this week, next two weeks, until I see you guys again. Do good, be good, love and be loved. Spread what's good, true, and beautiful. 
Share the gospel with all you encounter through conversations, not presentations. Now, I'll end my presentation <laughs> here today um, with these two clips. Um, I'll end on Instagram because you guys can't see the clips. Um, and yeah, I love you guys. I love you all. And I'll see you in a couple weeks. When I was at the University of Florida for every home game, we would get in the bus at our hotel and we would drive right by the stadium and we would stop at what's called the Gator Walk. In every game I played there, there was probably 20 to 40,000 fans at this Gator Walk ready to greet us as we get off the bus. I would see all these people. I gotta tell you, there were a lot of voices that started to hit me. One of the first voices that instantly hit me was, was pride and arrogance. Because I would look out and I would see thousands of jerseys with my number on it. I would look out and I would see Bible verses that they were wearing because I wore them. And so for a second you thought, dang, I'm something. They're here for me. This is pretty cool. I must be somebody. They stumbled across. And it's one of Time's 100 most influential images of all time. And it's the picture of this young girl. She's on her way from her village to a feeding center not far away. And she's so malnourished and she's moving so slow that this vulture is waiting to attack. So the young man that took this picture, I think there was probably something in his heart that he, he wanted to do good, he just, he wasn't sure. So, so he, he captured this picture and he just waited and, and then the vulture got closer. So he kind of shooed the vulture off and then he walked away and the vulture would come right back. And he was told because of some of the sicknesses in the areas, don't touch anybody, don't do anything. And so he didn't, he didn't, he did nothing. Because apparently the cost was too much. So he left, he went back, the New York Times published this photo in 1993. In 94, he won the Pulitzer Prize for this photo. Four months after this, he chose to end his life. You see, every single one of us we have a chance to be successful in life. And you know what, I hope you are. I really do, I, I hope you're successful. There's nothing wrong with being successful, but success is just about you. But significance is about other people. You see, that man that took that picture, he had success. That's one of the greatest honors a photographer could ever have. But obviously it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So what's going to be enough for you? 
You see, success is great. You can do a lot of things with it, but it's not going to be fulfilling. And you can never forget that sense of urgency that it's not about your timeline, it's about their timeline. While you might have 30, 40, 50 years, they have days, minutes, moments. She had moments, but it wasn't worth it to go pick her up. It wasn't worth it to give her a hug. It wasn't worth it to tell her about the gospel. Yeah, I won a Pulitzer Prize, but what does it matter? What does it matter? It doesn't. And I think the greatest tragedy in life is we're going to look back one day and say, I was successful in things that don't matter. I want you to be successful. But more than anything, I want you to be significant. And when you live for Jesus and you love people, I believe you're going to have a life of significance. Time is short. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. If I told, if someone had told me when I was 20 years old that life was very short and would pass just like that, I wouldn't have believed it. And if I tell you that, you don't believe it either. I cannot get young people to understand how brief life is, how quickly it passes. It seems like yesterday I was in school. Every one of us here has been given the same amount of time in a day. 1,440 minutes a day, 168 hours per week. 70 years God allows us. And it's interesting to me with all of our medical science, we've never passed that magic mark. The average American male today lives 70 years and four months. The average female, 73 years and six months. More people live to be 70, but the average age of an American is still 70 as taught in the scriptures. What a thing it is when you think that you have just one short life to spend and it'll soon be over. I'd write down my priorities in life. And I'd get committed to certain priorities. Now is the accepted time. The things we ought to do, the classes we ought to take, the books we ought to read, do it now. The family that needs you, spend more time now. Write that letter home now that you've been meaning to write. Money you ought to give, give now. Time for study, do it now. People you ought to witness to, do it now. Every time the clock ticks, it seems to say now, today if you will hear his voice. There may not be a tomorrow for you and for me because there's a warning to time. Time is running out for all of us. Time is too short for indecision and vacillation. Do not halt between two opinions. Fools say that time is long. Every morning we have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. Each day the bank named time opens a new account for you and for me. It allows no balances and no overdrafts. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. The Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil. And the days in which we're living are very evil. 
If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him that sent us. The night is coming when no man can work. The night is going to come in your life. Yet there was a serenity about the work of the Lord Jesus. It's the quality of life, not the length. Jesus only had 33 years. And it ended on the cross. To the world, he was a failure at that moment. Yet at the end of his life, he said, I finished the work that thou gavest me to do. It doesn't matter whether you live another year or two years or five years. Will your work be finished? Is there a quality to it? Is there a dedication to it? Suppose all of our members tithe their time to witness for Christ as we tithe our income for the church. Fill your heart with the word of God. I've found that those who know the scriptures are the ones that have the power today. But we need men and women who walk with God. And if you do that, you too can finish the work that God gave you to do. And help us to realize the brevity and the urgency of time. And may we invest what little time we have in the kingdom of God. Follow Sean on social media at Sean B. Planet. His podcast audio is on the Sean B. Planet channel on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. His videos are on YouTube and BitChute. Live streams on DLive and Twitch. Blogs, links, and other stuff can be found at SeanBPlanet.com. A lot of my artwork comes from a good man and friend of mine, Timmy J. Follow him on Instagram at S-W-I-T-C-H-B-A-X. His company Mountain Folk is amazing. They promote artists, they create mesmerizing art, and they sell comfy clothing that helps support groups that are fighting against human trafficking. Be sure to follow at F-O-L-K-M-T-N on Instagram, as well as at M-T-N-F-O-L-K-S-H-O-P. And be sure to shop at mtn.folk.shop. This is not a paid ad. Just help good people do good things.